Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Time Extend. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Ismail, and unfortunately my partner in crime, Brendan Morrison, could not be here today. Something came up, but it's all going to be good because we have a fantastic guest for this show. He's a musician, he's an artist, he just came out with a new album, a tribute to Ridge Racer Type 4, called Real Racing Roots 2019, and his name is Andrew Elmore. Andrew, so glad to have you on the show. How are you doing tonight? Thanks. I'm uh, like half asleep, but extremely excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely excited to have you here. Um, I guess just to like set up the background of how this uh, amazing union happened, um, it's really funny because I caught wind of Real Racing Roots 2019 right when Brenda and I were in the middle of recording the Ridge Racer episodes that we did at the end of last year. <laughs> oh, no. So, well, no, it was perfect because we had just done the first one and then somebody brought to our attention. And as soon as I saw, like, the cover art, uh, I, I knew I was like, okay, this guy gets R4. Like, this is, this is the real deal. And I knew that this I... This guy has a jog con. Exactly, yeah. Well, actually, I didn't even I didn't even know that that was a picture of a jog con, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, I was like, this is going to be good. And I was really excited to listen to the album, and I think it was like a week or two before it came out. So then it comes out, and I listen to it on Spotify. And yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. You've done an amazing job, man. And uh, yeah, Brendan... Thank you. <laughs> of course. Brendan and I looked at each other and we're just like... We have to have him on the show. Um, Brendan's, I'm sure, kicking himself that he's not here, but I'm sure there will be an opportunity for that again in the future. So, yeah, that's that's how we got to this point. And uh, could not be more thrilled to have you here. And I'm going to pick your brain about all kinds of R4 musical questions. So, hope you don't mind. Bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> it's like the single best topic. Yeah, it's, you know... I have this theory that, like, everyone who has played R4, it just kind of, it's one of those experiences that, like, sticks with you. And, like, I don't want this to just be about that game because I'm sure we have some listeners who are like, you guys just had two straight episodes on Ridge Racer. Do we really have to go back and talk about Ridge Racer? What if we had three? What if we had three? Yeah, exactly. Um, So I I know people can get sick of the topic, but... You're here, so frankly, I don't care because this is because <laughs> this is way more exciting. We've already stepped in it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. We have to see it through. So, yeah, I I suppose before we got into the whole album discussion uh, and Ridge Racer specifically, you know, you're on Time Extend, and we are a podcast that is just all about racing games, all kinds of racing games, and I'm curious as to like how you end up making an r4 album but like all the way in the beginning like what aspect of racing games you know how did you start playing them maybe what was like a formative racing game that you played you know how what is the the birth of andrew the racing game musician score guy Nailed it. Um, yeah, no, that's a weird one because I, I was thinking about this earlier and I, I wish I had some kind of like flashpoint I could point to of like the moment where it all came together uh, or something like that. But <clears throat> I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of the the quick summary is just I've always played games in general and I've always really enjoyed all kinds of different racing games. And it wasn't really until the past few years when suddenly I was like consciously aware of like, 
Oh, I like these a lot, huh? <laughs> like, I didn't thought of it as like a genre that I was actively a fan of, um, despite playing a bunch of them all the time. And I think part of that might have been uh, to do with kind of what I grew up with, because my first main, like my primary console growing up, and this is going to uh, betray my youth a little bit, uh, was an N64, which is not a console with a strong library in general especially racing games yeah we've talked uh, about that before <laughs> on this show a bunch of times it's funny because the, the n64 actually has a good chunk of like the kinds of racing games you don't find anywhere else because they're on the n64 um but it's not <laughs> a good way to put it yeah it's just like compared to the playstation and uh really the playstation was dominated by racing games and oh, yeah. it's just underrepresented on the n64 for sure Definitely. Uh, and from there, we moved on to uh, an Xbox, which does have a ton of really, really good racing games, but just none that I was aware of really during its time, except for uh, we got it at the end of 02, which came with Jet Set Radio Future and Sega GT 2002, that uh, combo disc, and uh, Jet Set Radio Future is something that I still carry deep in my DNA. Uh, whereas Sega GT 2002 is a thing that I tried a couple of times and was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Um, you know what? It's, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is honestly almost as much a Sega podcast as it is a racing game podcast. So I totally, oh, totally. I totally respect, uh, the shout out to JSRF and it's criminal that we, we never got any sort of remaster or anything of that game because um, I know I'd love to revisit it in a way that's convenient. doesn't require me to dig up component cables and find my Xbox, which barely works and has a broken disc drive, but that's another story. Woo! Yeah, that's, that's the problem with that game is it's trapped on a dying console. Like 100% of Xboxes are failing. That clock capacitor will leak and destroy the motherboard if you don't go in there and yank it out. Or if you're really unlucky with the model number, replace it. Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink. Podcast listening audience, go do some quick surgery on your Xboxes. Uh, but racing game. Right. Uh, I was going to say I'm lucky enough that I was... Uh, I had that recall back in the day where it was like the AC adapter would like spontaneously combust. So I have the, yeah, I have the newer one that, that apparently I'm told does not do that. So I, I guess that's good. Okay. That's, uh, whatever it's worth. That is the first I've heard. My understanding was that all of them were a ticking time bomb, but I, I desperately hope that you are correct because that would bum me out if that happened. I mean, we'll find out one day. Uh, Fortunately, I never play it because... <laughs> <laughs> one day we're gonna pull that thing out and it's gonna be right or wrong so yeah it's funny i i do go back uh every now and then and play you know some games from that era on the xbox and it's funny you mentioned sega gt 2002 because it's the perfect example of a game that at the time i thought was incredible and then within like two years i was like over it kind of forgot about it and i for sure and then Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say I think I think that's where history should leave it. It was okay for the time, and then once you know Microsoft uh, finally got got on their I don't know horse. I, I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that analogy. <laughs> uh, once they figured out how to make a racing game that can compete with Gran Turismo, we had Forza, and, and that was it. So yeah, and I um, I played a little bit of that first Forza. Um, and I played a lot of Forza 2 for whatever reason, uh, but like I totally missed PGR and like Rally Sport Challenge, oh. which is incredible, um, and a lot of stuff until later. Like, don't get me wrong, I, yeah. I filled those holes. I went back and 
I dealt with that. Like there is a, a wall next to me with all of that stuff on a dumb shelf because uh, I'm the type <laughs> of idiot that leaves all those consoles plugged in all the time and ready to go. Um, oh, I envy that. I wish I could do that. I have to kind of swap them out. And I've also moved like three or four times in the last five years and I'm gonna, about to do it again. So, Oh, me too. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> just keep doing this to myself hauling crts from apartment to apartment oh man don't don't be like me kids learn learn from my mistakes that is the life it's a very expensive life but it's a life i want to have <laughs> it's it's a life that's bad for your spine and like square footage in your apartment uh, <laughs> uh but no so if i go back and think about uh the racing games in particular that i spent the most time with and got the most into uh kind of in their day uh a, a couple of the bigger ones that stand out uh specifically wipeout pure on the psp yeah that's good it's so good uh and somehow uh as dumb as this is to admit that was my introduction to wipeout so it's um, fine. That was my introduction to Wipeout. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I went back and then played the older ones after that, and that introduced me to like the Designers Republic and Ian Anderson yep. and kind of shaped my career path from there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like a large, a significant portion of why I'm a designer now is because I played a lot of Wipeout. So, whoops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, tremendously like influential. What as soon as um, so yeah, I started with Wipeout Pure as well on the PSP, and kind of went back in subsequent years and played the series through the ages. And um, after after three was the last one that TDR worked on, and you can definitely tell after that point that they they were able to recapture some of the magic with Pure. But uh, Fusion was rough, and you could tell. And yeah. it did not have the uh, the love of, of the Designers Republic on it. And, I, you know, I don't think it's a mere coincidence that you get games like R4 and Wipeout 3 in the same year that yeah. are so incredibly, like, just way beyond the sort of... I don't. I don't even know what you call it, but just like they were operating on their plane artistically compared to a lot of games, and I'm sure there were others in the non-racing spectrum, you know, other genres that also oh, totally also kind of fit that mold. But like, it just seems like that 99, 2000, like, and yeah, you could even throw like Jet, uh, Jet Set Radio in there too. Just yeah, like, like something, res. something was in the water, you know, just around the world. People, people were, people were on something, and it was good. <laughs> yeah, there was a weird kind of like, I don't know, like optimistic sense of futurism around like that Y2K sort of design era. Yeah. Um, that at least in the States that dropped off a cliff after 9-11. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that first for 9-11 ref on Time Extend? Did I just destroy this whole podcast? Yeah, anyway, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I think I think it is. Well, I mean, that's what happens when one of us is from Scotland. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Brent. I've I've, uh, I've taken your throne and I've I've just I've ruined it. This is now America the podcast. We're, we've changed focus. Oh no! God help us all. <laughs> anyway. Oh no. Um, and some of my earliest uh, memories of games. Period are uh, from. And I think this is going to tie in a bit more directly, but uh, the original Ridge Racer on my cousin's PlayStation. Um, 
and I was super young. Uh, but if there's something about that first game specifically, but I think you could also apply that to Revolution and Rage Racer to an extent where like there's something about the like physicality of the space in that world. And I think that might be because you're driving around the same track over and over. <laughs> you get to know it really um, well. <laughs> you really do. And I think it like builds up this weird, like almost like a much less creepy version of Stockholm syndrome or something. where just like, uh, I have this fascination with that little world that they built, uh, yeah. that they modeled for that track. And like, if I could step inside any game and walk around in it for a while, like the first thing that I would want to do is go walk around the different track variants of the original Ridge Racer. Um, that big turn that's going through the tunnel with all the like kind of those big rectangular slats on the left wall. Oh, um, absolutely. There's a tunnel exactly like that by where I live. And every time I drive through it, I just start hearing extremely obnoxious, loud, happy, hardcore music in my head. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. Perfect. Well, Bren loves that stuff. I can't stand it. That's that's the one area that I, we deviate. I, I secretly do, too. Yeah. I secretly also love it. I can't. It's just, oh, what's it? Oh, man. What's the song that he referenced the other day that drives he loves insane? Ro- Rather Damnation. Rather Damnation. Is the one he's crazy yes. about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That song is the best worst thing, and I love it. It's terrible. There's some great songs on that soundtrack. Like I love Rhythm Shift. Um, that's yeah. a fantastic song. But that one's also like I think probably the least happy hardcore, and that's why I like it. So <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, uh, so you know, you mentioned the world building, and it's something that we touched on in the Ridge Racer podcast. And I've written so many random articles over the years for GT planet on my own blog about racing games where I just try to explain that like, and I, I don't know if I've ever able been able to do it justice, but just like there's something about these games. Yeah. When they make you go through the same portion of track over and over again, and, and you're playing rage racer, for example, and you, you drive under uh, their fake version of the Arc de Triumph, and yeah. you take that you take that right turn through a village, and you get to see what that's like. And then you go down the road a little bit, and there's that tunnel, and the tunnel branches off three ways, and you get to know this is where you know this is the world that leads from this tunnel, and and this is kind of the way that through repeated exposure you you get to paint the world in your head. And I don't know, just on some on some level that I've never felt like I could properly just like capture it just makes me feel like there's it just makes me feel like there's so much more going on I don't know it just like it raises the stakes just to know that this is a fleshed out world that this is a place where so many different things are happening beyond what even I can see there are portions of the road portions of the track portions of the city that like are beyond my limits but they exist and they're real and I would just wonder about what that would be like and what if they even built out the world further? And then that's how I end up like drawing tracks and stuff as a little kid in my free time to try yeah. and imagine where that road goes, you know? And yeah, that's something that I always loved about Ridge Racer, about, you know, Sega's arcade racers, about that whole time period where it's like definitely a, a problem of like they kept reusing the same sections of track to, to aid in development, clearly. Like that's the only reason they did this. But it works for me like i just find it so much more interesting and like in terms of like getting that feeling of the like more broadness of the world around you like in revolution you've got you're going through different like biomes and the sun is like rising and setting you're going through entire like day night cycles 
um, especially depending on the length of the race. But like even in the first one, when you just immediately like you pass under that initial underpass at the starting line and then like you just drive into this like harshly lit tunnel underneath a gigantic skyscraper that's like got Galaga playing on a jumbotron <laughs> on the front of it. Like something about that just like was really weirdly a formative memory for me that like still captures my attention in the same way now, which is weird. Um, but yeah, for me, it's uh, and something that I meant to make a point to mention the Ridge Racer, the second Ridge Racer podcast where we talked about Rage Racer, but I forgot to the rise up after you go through that village section up through before you get to a tunnel when you're making that turn up the crest and you see the waterfall like yes. that image will forever be burned into my mind and just like as as a child playing that game going around that corner seeing a waterfall and just going oh my god like this is crazy you know and that's literally the first image that comes to mind anytime i think of rage racer absolutely and it's a, it's a beautiful image and it's the type of thing too that um you know, I feel like when you are designing two or three tracks, you can put so much more effort into those tracks <laughs> and uh, really try to make them feel special. And they, they totally did with that game and with all these games. Yeah, even if you took out all of the like character and texture and like art around it and just like took the actual flat track itself, like still fun as hell to drive. Oh, absolutely. Um, but the amount of character they were able to imbue into that world with just the like you know super low res ps1 polygons uh and just art direction all around it is just fantastic and just weirdly i don't know there's something about it that just like draws you in really hard and i'm glad to hear that i'm not the only person that felt that way because it seemed odd to me <laughs> oh yeah you're, you're definitely not the only person who feels that way i can tell you that much there are at least three of us <laughs> <laughs> there are dozens of us uh, and I think part of uh, part of that is how you end up with uh, the world of something like in Ridge Racer 5, where uh, like all of the uh, tracks and routes and stuff are kind of overlaid on top of each other throughout Ridge City. Yeah, Ridge Racer 5 takes takes that concept to the next level. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people at the time looked at it like it was kind of like, at, by that point, it was like games don't have to do this anymore. This is the next generation, and it feels kind of weak that we have to drive the same portion of uh, Seaside Route 765 over and over again every one of these tracks. But, I mean, I was there for it, and Ridge Racer oh, totally. 5 is a great game. So, Yeah, uh, was it you that mentioned the um, the like Prima guy that overlaid all those on top of each other so you could like see the map of the yep. city? Yep. I literally ordered that on eBay while I was listening to that episode, and it came in a few days later, and I just spent like 20 minutes just staring at those maps like an idiot. It's such a fantastic uh, guide because I used oh, to like, so good. I used to take a piece of paper and trace over the tracks and then like oh, create nice. more tracks based on those tracks. <laughs> <laughs> How else could I staple these building blocks together? Which is, it feels like that's what they did, especially when you get to like, um, like the PSP release where it's, or I guess releases, but being in the States, I can only speak to the first one. Damn it. Um, but it's very much just like we took all these like corners and sections from like Heaven and Hell and R4 and we stapled it into 765 or whatever and just <laughs> like I, 
I don't know. I've been playing through that game uh, like this last couple weeks uh, on PSP, and like that's such a weird delight when you start a new uh, tour and just play a, like what appears to be a new track, and it's just like, oh, I recognize all of these things separately, and I feel like there's something in me that should be like, ah, this is cheap. They're just recycling old stuff, but like, if it, a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. B, like, I don't know. They're just doing really cool stuff with like elements that I'm already familiar with we've probably gone too long on this but I don't know I think that stuff's really cool it's, you know this is just this is just inevitable anytime like especially Ridge Racer there's so much to talk about because the series has changed so much but and also not at all in some ways <laughs> yeah and also not at all but and also like now it's like you know change is proof that you're living and right now that series is anything but alive no I told you I'm trying to will it into existence it'll happen <laughs> Well, that's that's actually what I was going to ask you about you about 2019, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so that's all. That is all awesome. So, so the one last thing I'll ask you about your history, then specifically, is when sure. when did you play R4, um, and why why was that like? How did that strike you? Because I imagine you know you you devoted a good portion of your life to making. Uh, an album about it so i have to imagine that it kind of hit you strongly to some degree yeah that that record took about a year uh off and on it's kind of a i don't know we can get to the how and why later but like as for how i came to r4 that is a weird question because yeah like my history with ridge racer in general is really really minimal um it was playing uh that first one a bunch at my cousin's house in the like mid 90s on ps1 and then kind of nothing for a very very long time uh i'm trying to figure out how i ended up falling all the way into that series because it was just a few years ago uh weirdly enough like i didn't play two three four five six seven uh or any of the weird like spinoffs or anything like that you don't need to go past five our, our list proves you don't need to go past five. It, it does. It only goes. I like there. seven a lot. Damn it! <sighs> I will defend that game. It's not. Well, you know what? <laughs> seven is fine, and you and there is a there is a great uh, Ridge Racer Seven rescore on your record. So that has that has lifted can, my opinion of the game. We can we can get to that too, because that started <laughs> as a. You know what? No, we're we're here already. I'll just get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> we, we keep jumping around so much. Go for it. Look, man. is this a, is a podcast about trains or cars? We're not on rails, man. That it was about horses at one point. Look, the, the times change. We're, we're going full anti gravity racing league here by next month. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, so I was thinking a lot about R four as you do. Uh, as I am most of the time, uh, and about how desperately I want that series to come back in any capacity. Um, and I was like trying to think about like idealistically what would I want a Ridge Racer 8 to be, and then like realistically what would I think it would be. Um, and more recently, stuff like Ace Combat 7 has kind of given me hope that maybe if Ridge Racer does come back, that it would be like potentially done with the love and care that it needs which gives me hope just a spark look i gotta hold on to whatever i can here uh <laughs> we all do 
Yes. Uh, and I was trying to think about like, because uh, like the musical style in those games has changed noticeably kind of with every entry, but also like there, there are certain elements obviously that have stayed alive throughout, but um, that identity has kind of shifted. Uh, and so is the style overall. It's not just the music. It's like the way they animate the menus and the like color palette and art direction and uh, whether it's Reiko or Aya or whatever, but uh Long story short, I was like, okay, what would music look like in a Ridge Racer 8? And I was like, I bet they would probably do some weird, like, liquid drum and bass thing. Uh, so that's what that started out as. It was me being like, what would that actually sound like? So I took, I sampled an old, like, uh, choral recording of my wife singing out, like, a demo track. Uh, and I just started throwing drums under it and doing weird stuff. Um, and at the time, a different... Uh, game audio composer uh named megan Carnes has kind of started this thing called rescore wednesdays where a lot of uh indie game composers uh and game audio people on twitter were just kind of rescoring a game every week uh kind of in spring summer of last year uh and so while i was working on that ridge racer 8 theoretical music thing um i was like i'm just i'm just gonna find some good footage of a like urban nighttime level in r7 and throw that in there because it still kind of fits the vibe i think it's definitely different um a bit more modern in some ways and a bit too old in some other ways uh but that's how that came together so i, I did like i don't know 20 or something of those rescores um for different games and that one felt like it would be a fun little like bonus track on the record because it was still ridge racer related and also one of those tracks was the same thing but for ridge racer revolution <laughs> Oh, but after I tracked that out, I was like, this doesn't feel like there's not enough like weird esoteric sampling and like goofy electronic sounds in this. It's mostly just like really cheesy old roll and slap bass. Uh, it's like it's not quite R4, but it's more R4 than R2. So <laughs> it, it ended up on there anyway. Whoops. Yeah, the the Ridge Racer 7 uh, rescore is uh, one of my favorite tracks uh, on the record because it it might secretly be the only good track on the record. <laughs> I mean that's that's <laughs> definitely not true, but no, it's um, it's interesting how you get to that point, and it's like, this feels more current, this feels more modern, but it still feels like Ridge Racer, uh, because I listen to most of twenty nine. I, I really want to get into me talking about mm. what I think yet, but um, <laughs> um, we're gonna do a live critique right here on the show. Just, just no, it's it's off. not it's not it's not it's not all critique. I just like. <laughs> I don't know. I have I have thoughts. They're all good. I just have thoughts. But <laughs> we're going to save those for a little bit later. record real racing roots 2019 um it's been out what now for it came out right before new year correct uh somewhere around there i don't remember december something yeah 
Yeah, so so it's been out for a little while. How's the response been? Because I have to imagine there are a lot of you know Ridge Razor fans who are hungry for content, especially like R four content, right? Yeah, and I definitely like I get the feeling that like there are like fifty Ridge Racer fans, but all of those Ridge Racer fans are Ridge Racer four fans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like if there were more of us, it might have been like I could see people like I could see there being a backlash against R four for being like a meme or whatever just because everyone loves it so much but i don't think there's enough like chatter out there about the series because it's been dormant for so long uh but it seems to be a generally kind of agreed upon like this was sort of the like creative mechanical peak of the series i think for a lot of people yeah it's it's fair uh but yeah the response has been incredible it freaked me out i thought that i might get like a few pity likes from like people that I knew already <laughs> or whatever. Um, so when I posted that like little announcement video and all of a sudden, like a lot of people that I've followed and looked up to for a long time were like liking or retweeting or talking about it or talking to me about it. I was freaking out. The fact that we are here talking about it right now is still freaking me out. <laughs> um, it didn't like make, money or anything so that's fine but <laughs> the fact that like anyone was interested at all like blew my mind and exploded my heart and is wonderful of course i mean you know i, th- I think it says something that i grew up with the series and and you you played r4 later on there there is clearly a timelessness though um oh yeah to the series and to that to that entry specifically that that inspires people uh, that proves that it's not something that is easily forgotten. That's something that's very influential. And I, I think, you know, I think it's safe to say, based on that response, you, you captured that spirit. And I think, you know, Ridge Racer fans everywhere probably really, really thankful that you uh, that you worked on this record and are super happy it exists. Because I'd love to see more stuff like it. You know, I... I especially at a time when like the racing genre is kind of in this place where I feel like they're less, at least big budget racing games don't, aren't really a thing anymore unless you have Microsoft or Sony money. So, um, yeah, you know, R4 you're kind definitely of not seeing super like artsy and weird, right? You know, they can't take chances anytime soon. Yeah. They, they just don't, the market isn't there to take chances. So yeah, I think, that's the thing. It's not that they're refusing to, I think it's just like, it's not worth the risk because the, the people aren't, there to buy it necessarily or at least it hasn't been proven if they are not in a very long time so like i understand i can't be upset about it but also i'm bummed out about it (laughs) (laughs) well people you know we we all have our imaginations or what ifs what if there was a ridge racer type a or something like that and that that listening to your record definitely like got that active in me which is i guess what i was trying to say before (laughs) like didn't mean to play with your emotions like that no, it's. I mean, it's awesome. It's like when you have a really good dream. But the the at least your dream, like when I listen to that album, like it lasts for like you know an hour or whatever, and I don't forget it after I wake up. So that's good. But anyway, um, yeah. So when I before before I listened to it for for the first time, I really had no idea what to expect because for all the reasons that we've discussed, R four. First of all, it's like my favorite soundtrack ever in any video game. Um, that goes that without saying. That's a valid saying. claim. Yeah, and 
it is so in a way that no other game approaches except maybe Wipeout 3, but I think it even goes beyond Wipeout 3. The I would agree. The audio and visual experience is just meshed. It's seamless. You, you can't cut between the two. So the idea of like taking the visual and merging it with a different soundtrack was very strange. I was like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> I was extremely worried the entire time that I was like treading on a holy ground. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is like every time I listen to the actual R4 soundtrack, I'm just like, it's at once incredibly inspiring in ways that few other things are and also incredibly demoralizing <laughs> because I will never, ever be able to make anything on that level or even As all great it. art is, it's, it's simultaneously inspiring and depressing. <laughs> it's like, this is the most amazing thing and fills me with a like compulsion to go make things and also at the same time, like... It makes me want to give up music forever. <laughs> I have to remember that it's like, uh, you know, this was a team of incredibly talented people at the top of their game whose full-time job it was to work together uh, on this thing with the people that were making the visual art as well in tandem and just create this tapestry of style and personality um, for, you know, maybe... However long their development cycle was, I imagine it was probably around two years, depending on what the overlap was with like the Rage Racer team or however Namco had things structured back then. I have no idea. Um, so I kind of like internalized that and let myself just be like, okay, it's okay if they're if I'm never ever going to reach anything, <laughs> you know, resembling this level of amazing. It's okay. Like, that's totally fine. It's okay if you don't produce something with, you know, X amount of development staff and late nineties Japanese <laughs> video game developer money. It's okay. It's, yeah. it's okay. And that's never and, a reason not to try anything because the result sure. is still, you know, fantastic. And it doesn't even matter how it compares to the original because in the grand scheme of things, because you made it and it's in a, you know, it, doesn't sound and i think this is kind of where i was going like you can tell it comes from the same is born out of the same environment you know you can tell where the origin is but it's not derivative in any way you know it's it's a continuation and i think for me anyway um as i think about the uh this is completely treading into unrelated racing unrelated racing game field but as i think about weezer's cover al uh, album that just came out oh no um <laughs> The the line that I think artists have to walk whenever they want to, you know, act in tribute to something but without copying it, it just seems very challenging to me as an outsider looking in. I don't think it works so well for Weezer, but I think it worked very well for you. <laughs> so <laughs> Thank you. So. I appreciate that. Sorry, Rivers. Uh you, look, man, you you know. You've had a long time coming. <laughs> uh it, <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, part of that is straight up just because there are a lot of things they were doing that I couldn't figure out how to do. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, um, I've talked to some other composers about this, but there's a lot of like very specific, uh, like early digital sampling techniques hmm. uh, that they were employing that I cannot figure out how to recreate without, you know, a bunch of old gear and that like knowledge of workflow and mindset and access to whatever things that they were sampling, everything. Like, I cannot with what gear i have and with a you know macbook pro make an, an, a real electric guitar sound the right kind of bad to be good that they mm. do like there are things all over that soundtrack where it's just like 
Okay, this isn't MIDI. It, you did sample someone playing an actual guitar, and you cut it up uh, in a really interesting way, and it should be super cheesy, but it rules. Yeah. <laughs> and I, have, I literally do not have the means to do whatever it is that you did. Um, so I kind of tried to lean into that a little bit. So I was like, all right, well, how do I capture the spirit of this stuff without just aping it? Um, like, there's a lot of good, like, MIDI jazz flutes on that record, and yep. I only let myself use that on one track um and there were definitely some tricks that i leaned into way too hard like that super dumb old rolling slap bass that i just use constantly because it makes me so happy it's the worst thing and <laughs> the I love slap it. the slap bass is like i will say when you hear for a first time it just like hits you <laughs> sideways like i was not expecting that it's like but, oh that's too loud that doesn't even belong here and, <laughs> but but very quickly it just becomes like nah i dig it like this is this is all right. You can stay, slap bass. <laughs> you can stay, like weird relic from Act Razor, I guess. <laughs> like it sounds way more like that, like generic Super Nintendo slap bass than anything else. Extremely. I love you know I love that you can touch on, talk about just how recording processes and, and gear and everything kind of matters sure. and and factors into it because that's something i mean brendan and i i love music i've listened to music my whole life i'm not a musician and when anytime i try and talk like i'm a writer about technology the few times in my life i've tried to write about music it just ends up being the notes are good they got the good vibe and the good beat <laughs> and i like them so Thank you for lending some credibility to this <laughs> show where we talk about music with the worst vocabulary possible. Uh, That's all right. I think we did talk about just burning 20 minutes of this podcast talking about early 90s shoegaze, which I am all the way down for. <laughs> that, that'll that come in. Uh, when uh, when Time Extend uh, has a Patreon and has a second podcast to unlock, <laughs> that will be it. It'll be about shoegaze. Yes. Perfect. And I feel like I'll just be pulling from Brand a lot of that anyway. It was all from yeah, his area. All from his neck of the woods, definitely. I feel like I was trying to answer an actual question and just went wildly off topic. No, it, I think you... Several times now. <laughs> I think you uh, you got perfectly. I mean, I <laughs> there was a point as I was um, you know trying to um, think about you know having you on the show and the conversation we would have and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, is it is this record a tribute? Is it a continuation? Or is it an effort to get Namco's attention? And today I discovered <laughs> it's all three of them, but it's definitely the last one. <laughs> it, in my heart, it's the last one. Uh, realistically, there's a reason I didn't tag them in it, which is that I don't want to get like... I, I doubt I could be sued for making something that like musically is just a love letter. Sure. sure. Uh, although there may or may not have been all those vocal samples from R1 and Trek 2. Anyway, um, look, if you get look, sued, our... like they're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you get sued, our theme song is from Ridge Racer type or Ridge Racer 5. So we're also going down in the ship. So, yeah, but that's a podcast that I don't know. I don't, no one knows how copyright law works. It's, it's impossible. I have Just... a question real quick. <laughs> sure. Because I, because you mentioned me Ed... this whole. <laughs> the engines sound like they're ready to go. So you know Are in you uh, exactly in Type Four, there's the announcer, and then mm -hmm. sometimes the announcer will say, "Take care of this loser," and it does <laughs> that was not a really good delivery. Yeah, I tried. It doesn't sound like the same person. It does not sound like the regular announcer. My theory was that that is Enki Gilbert, who runs the Solvalu team. 
This is mm, like, like as a character. Well, either it's the announcer mimicking him in character, or I think my idea as a kid was he rushes up for some reason. He decides to rush up to the commentary box at the racetrack <laughs> and steals the mic just so he can That's scream amazing. at his driver, and so everyone else can hear it. That's so good. That's so much better than like I always just had a passive assumption that it was just like a weirdly different take or something. But that's a thousand times better, and I will never <laughs> be able to unsee that. Oh man! It's the only hey, way I can between that it. and my grandma drives faster than that. My grandma <laughs> drives faster than that. It going out oh, so great. Yeah. I love that, and yeah. I love the uh, the. I guess it's Reiko Nagase technically in uh, Rage Racer. Who's the okay, announcer that's what in that I was going to say, because I've heard people say that that's Reiko, and I refuse to let myself believe that that is the case. Well, I guess because because she is in the intro, and that was where they really like made... I mean, I guess technically she was like the race queen or whatever of the first Ridge Racer, but you really didn't see her in CG right. until Rage Racer, <laughs> so I just thought it would make sense, but that's my assumption. I mean, you're probably right. I just don't want to believe you. That's I'm I I'm not sure why, but hey, you do you, man. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems so weird. Like I don't know. Nothing ever like talking at all, but also just like the really weird way that they like <laughs> the way that they tried to add the '90s tune into Rage Racer. Like I can't imagine. Like okay, it's not like they've ever given us a ton of like character building for Reiko Nagase, but I can't imagine her like stepping up to a megaphone at the beginning of a race, just be like, "Let's get it on!" Like that doesn't. No, that doesn't. That don't. That don't truck in my head. You shattered that record. I I love it actually. <laughs> I I love her voice, whoever it is, and I also. You know, I I love the uh, the acid jazz of Ridge Racer Type Four, but I also love grunge. So I like that. You know, Rage Racer oh, the music is in like Rage Racer the... is incredible. I don't even know like the first step of how to start I, recreating some of that stuff. I love that. It's just like the bastard stepchild of Ridge Racer, totally. where it's, it's just like the little like evil fucking twerp that just like has attitude, just like fucking take your i don't know lunch money i don't fucking know it's but the you, you get bone storm or go to hell it's yeah yeah it's a bone storm definitely <laughs> of of the ridge racer family i love it i love that yeah, i totally. mean the thing about the the music in that game that i think is it's very similar to me uh to if you ever played the first gran turismo the very first yeah. gran turismo yeah. where it's like clearly they had like five samples and they just use the same samples <laughs> for every single song in slightly different ways because there, yeah. there's a lot of repetition, but it's all good. Yeah, no, they uh, they do a lot with a little on that for sure. Uh, I'm just glad that that series didn't go into the like licensed territory in the same ways that Gran Turismo did. I know you guys have talked about this before, but especially the U.S. releases, we don't need Dragula in a Ridge Racer. Uh, I'm glad that we did not get that because that did happen to Jet Grind Radio and that breaks my heart forever. I like that song. I'm sorry. I I mean, I'm with you <laughs> in certain contexts. Uh, that for, for whatever reason, that song will forever be burned into my brain with, again, my cousin's PlayStation and a demo disc of uh, Sledstorm. Yes, that song. So Sledstorm was where I first heard that song. That yeah, song totally. was in everything. It was like, yeah, like, like 1999. Later and, yeah, it was the Wolf Mother's Woman in 2007. But I was just going to say 90s. Wolf Mother. You're <laughs> reading my mind. Oh, my God. 
damn perfect we are cut from the same stupid cloth and i appreciate that yeah that that much is definitely clear well i have to point out one uh thing that i thought was especially cool uh is the way that uh, real racing Ridge 2019 starts and well after the intro track when you get into helter skelter i love that you repurposed uh that key progression from on your way like it's just it's it's like that kind of um sort of like foundation that like as a as an r4 fan you hear it and it's like it just channels that nostalgia in you but it's a new song and i i love anytime there there are slight callbacks to something you know like as a longtime fan um of anything whether it's a video game or music or something like that um i i definitely don't want to get off topic but i remember reading this article about a band that we both like called swerve driver and how like uh the guy in that band adam franklin was like oh yeah we use basically the same uh the same chord progression in like five different songs and here's where we hit it every single time and i'm like that's really cool because now i'm gonna go hunting around all those songs to see how you did it so yeah i just where's your wilhelm scream of chord progressions exactly except it's like you know, the Wilhelm scream is like, hey, that's a guy screaming. This is like, hey, that's like a melody that I really like. So, yeah, I thought that I really dug that. I was like, this is really cool. Yeah, that was a weird thing where I was just like, uh, they're, like they're different chords. Uh, and it's because I I didn't listen to it and try to figure it out. I was just like, how? just sit there, logic open in front of me in a keyboard. Just like, what, what sounds like jazzy chords like that <laughs> that I can just do back and forth? Mm. Uh, and I picked two different pairs, so like it starts out with uh, going those two chords uh, like up and down, uh, and then later on it switches to two different ones that are going down and up, and then at the very end in the outro they just kind of pass back and forth. Um, uh, the the outro is great. Like just the the way that track builds is fantastic. <laughs> Well, again, uh, really great listen, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to, to shut the podcast down at this point, but like that's that's <laughs> definitely like that's essentially what you know what we wanted you on the show for, uh, and I wish uh, I wish Brendan could have been here, but he's gonna be you know just like uh, all of the listeners who are hearing this right now, he's gonna be one of you. So yeah, I don't know, make do do something with that information uh anyway <laughs> um, good one so it. yeah <laughs> so um i was just randomly just thinking so i feel like with uh, r4 and wipeout teams uh you know are very important to the to the world and everything so yeah if yeah what's what's your team what's your well what's your uh what's your team and what's your car Oh man, for R four specifically. Um, hold on, let me just like try to fill time while I pull up this Famitsu R four guide on the table next to me and flip through here, trying to like look at things and figure out how to actually answer that question. I mean, it's it's uh, not <laughs> a big deal. No, this it's just fine. became the single biggest deal. 
Alright. Uh, <laughs> oh crap, this is all in Japanese. I have no idea what any of this says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has gone horribly I'm, wrong. I'm, I'm retreating from this question. It's it's okay. Uh, no, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the teams basically just determine like difficulty. Uh, I mean, obviously they all have different little storylines and everything, but like the game's not hard. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like what colors do you like i guess i guess basically it's for i mean i'll say i'll say for myself anyway i always liked i always liked soul blue like the the gray and blue team but i think that's because growing up i liked ferrari and it's like they're oh, yeah. italian so they're ferrari they're they don't have a red car but they may as well be the same thing i mean he's basically enzo ferrari that's that's the whole idea so yeah. um you, you can yeah. tell that from enki yes uh yeah i don't know i i think i usually go with uh pack racing club not at all pac-man just because like for whatever reason canonically in my head that red and yellow combo is like the r4 color scheme even though that red doesn't show up anywhere else in the game uh like i've played through all of them a whole bunch but yeah yeah they're uh, really pretty and then obviously drift over grip i'll play with grip sometimes to like switch it up because it does feel weird and different and it's kind of like playing that game like not a new but keeps things fresh a little bit there's only so much you can do with a game that's now almost 21 years old yeah i'm never as fast with the grip and then drift is just more no fun. me neither i i feel like most of those tracks are designed to throw the back end of those cars around the corner with reckless abandon except uh shooting hoops which is like i don't think you ever have to touch the brake on that track if you're getting your lines right yeah the insistence on putting ovals in Ridge Racer games is one of the most confusing things. It's real me. weird. It's like not necessary. Like that's not why I'm playing this. It's supposed to be like the last <laughs> level. Like if you don't change the music, it's this big dramatic thing where like they bring in. Um... Oh crap! I'm blanking on her name again now. Kamara Kamara Lovelace. Yes, thank you. Um, they bring her back in and like she's doing some work on that track and there's fireworks everywhere and like the camera's super dramatic, uh, but. You kind of just hold down gas and go, and pretty much, and, yeah. And then you win. Like I don't know if that was on purpose or not, <laughs> but like I win. kind of just feel bad. Uh, they do start you off really far behind the first car, though. So just like there is a climb, yeah. And it's was it like eight laps, twelve laps, something like that. I've it's only like played it like three dozen times. I should probably know by now. It's six or eight, yeah. Basically a hundred if you round up like a little bit. Basically a uh, hundred. <laughs> it may as well be a hundred. <laughs> Uh, yeah. As for Wipeout, Fizar all the way. I don't even have a good reason. Just Yeah, well, I was going to, you know, Wipeout is, um, we're de when we have a Wipeout show, we're definitely having you back on for that. Uh, Fizar is probably my team, too, I would I would say. I mean, I, I, I think I just like the blue and yellow combination. Yeah, that's that's the main bit. <laughs> yeah, I do like what uh, Ian did with the AG Systems logo in, like, XL slash 2097 and 3 as well. So, I don't know. I'll mess with some AG systems now and then. I ain't above it. Yeah. No, I mean, AG systems is great. <laughs> I mean, pretty much every like every team in Wipeout 3 in that era of the FX20, whatever it is, Racing League, um, that's like the peak. Like, um, I could I could drive for any of those teams proudly. They're all great. I, I mean, I, I do like how, like, the Piranha logo is It's just like a, a rhombus so and a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Just a bunch of shapes are gonna kick your ass and drag you in the parking lot after the race. It's just <laughs> have a talking to. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't take a lot. Um, 
So I guess then, because the I think the the last uh, musical question I had for you is uh, with R four done and done and dusted. What other racing games? And I know one of these is going to probably just be Wipeout, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what? Not even racing games. I mean, you you've you know you've scored a lot of. You were saying you you did a lot of uh, different interpretations of of series and. Um, I don't know what what excites you, what interests you, what might you want to tackle next if you given the choice. I mean, if what about that? What if, if you had to, or if you had the opportunity to work on a series? Man, yeah, uh, I've thought about Wipeout a lot, and I don't think that I can do that justice because I, I think because of the largely licensed soundtracks. Um, obviously, they used a home blanket on the name of that DJ that they used for uh, the U.S. release of. Sasha? Oh, no, you're thinking of... um No, you're thinking of Tim Wright. You're thinking of Cold Yes, Storage. there we go. Yes, that's it. Because, um, yeah, I remember, like, importing the soundtrack, and I was like, there's a New Order track on this. This is not in that game. How rad would that be if there was New Order in that game? And then finding out later, like, oh, there definitely is, just not here. Uh, but you'd also have to play it at 50 hertz to get that, like, the uh, yeah, PAL regions, old games, problems, anyway. What New Order song is it, out of curiosity? Because I actually know that. It is... The hard floor remix of Blue Monday, I believe. Oh, that's a great. That's actually my favorite version of Blue Monday. That's my that's my favorite Blue Monday, which I know is probably like sacrilege to say, but I just love that. No, I don't think that's sacrilege at all. I, there are a thousand different like club variants of Blue Monday because that song is eternally the hardest club jam of all time. Uh, <laughs> or not hardest, but like best. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's like my second or third favorite band. Um. If you want to start a separate New Order podcast, I'm also down. I got some <laughs> set tapes here I could I could share with the class. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I was playing, uh, and I tweeted about this during last week. I was playing WRC, which I mean, it's just called WRC for PS2, but it's a 2001 WRC game. It was the first uh, first one Evolution Studios worked on, and that game has like three licensed songs in it. And they only play during replays, and one of them oh, is close. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, and one of them is Close Range uh, by New Order, which is one of the you know like I don't like a whole lot of New Order songs past like uh, the the, uh, the one with the weird multicolored baby on it. That album. Technique is good, damn it. Yeah, it's no, I weird. love no, I love Technique. <laughs> I'm saying I don't really like anything beyond that. No, that was me but, shouting out into the void. Just oh, okay. come at me, internet. No, technique's great. But, um, yeah, so Close Range was like an uh, early 2000s song. Um, that would if I, I didn't recognize it. Well, well, the thing is, if I had to if I had to make a list of like the New Order songs that I like, the more recent ones, like past the point where they were really, really good, Close Range would be on it. Like, it's a, it's a pretty good song. It's all right. Hearing it in WRC, I was like, I completely forgot it was in that game. I actually like <laughs> played that game when I was a little kid before I knew even who New Order was. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I liked the song then. And then revisiting it now, I was like, oh, shit, that's right. And uh, it's great. So nice. New Order nice. podcast coming coming soon. To yeah, a, now we're talking. To a Spotify near you or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Whoever find podcasts are sold. Um, that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. That's a good line. I tried to use that once, and I was like, "Oh no, people are gonna think we have a Patreon or something." I <laughs> um, no, <laughs> but no. To actually answer your question in terms of like what I would want to score next, it's kind of a weird like 
the reason this came to be into like a full album anyway is because I was spending several years working full-time and also full-time amount in freelance um, and trying to balance like creative projects as well. And I just had no juice left in my veins to give uh, my adrenal glands or shot. I was burned out really bad for a very long time. Uh, so towards the end of this last year, I tried to clear out room in my life to be a healthy functional person to some extent um and the three things i needed to do were just like stop taking all freelance work um and finish a documentary that i've been working on with this is not racing games at all but uh me and some friends drove down to portland to talk to people at fulbright uh after tacoma came out um, and we shot a little mini doc with them and they were wonderful. And it took me very long story short. It took me exactly 365 days before that documentary went out and is on YouTube and got like a hundred views and then died. So there's that. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> and then the other thing that was like a long-term creative project was this record. Um, hmm. and in terms of what I would want to do next, because I, I do feel like I want to do something similar again soon. I, I have too much of a love for race and jazz to let that go. Um, and there are too many things that I either hear in this record that I think I could do better and have ideas of how to do better. Or there are things that I don't hear in this record that I wish I did. Um, or I wish I had added or found a way to add. Like there are a lot of ideas that I have uh, just from playing other early 2000s racing games <laughs> and listening to a lot of like weird, like, you know, different like jungle and drum and bass and acid jazz and stuff from around that era, which largely exists via game soundtracks. But um, if there are a lot of ideas that I had that I want to employ that just wouldn't fit with those songs, but would fit with a similar vibe. So I'm not saying another R4 tribute record, but I definitely like, I feel a vague compulsion to do something in that vein again. And I don't know what that's going to be. Um, because before, like, there were some of these tracks before I had made the decision to make this, like, album a complete thing. Uh, there were some of them that started out as rescores for other games. Um, hmm. So I don't know if you've uh, followed this at all, but uh, uh, there's a game called Crossneak Plus that uh, was kickstarted recently by Max Krieger. Um, that is extremely a, like, Y2K era puzzle game kind of vibe. It's very, like, there's a lot of character of, like, Mr. Driller and Space Channel 5 and a lot of, like old sega namco like it's just dripping with that aesthetic and feel um and talking to him about that and uh about the soundtrack and stuff and it kind of inspired me to do like i'm trying to remember which one of the tracks on real racing roots 2019 this was but one of them like started as something that was inspired by what i'd seen of that game and i was like i'm gonna make some music that reminds me of sega gt <laughs> Um, yeah, I saw you, you tweet about direction. that once, and I can't remember which one it is. But um, yeah, it's funny. I, I hear some some tracks on this album do remind me of that sort of Sega GT, Auto Modelista, and Enthusia vibe. Like, there's definitely um, I don't know if you ever played Enthusia. It's a very weird game. I have but, um, heard you talk about it a little bit, and it's on my list for sure. A lot of people love it, and I. I mean, I'm, it's fine. <laughs> you know, I guess know. it's fine. I just, yeah, I just don't know why, but, but a lot of people love it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's high spec. I think it's the, uh, the high spec demo, uh, that 
gives me Enthusia car select screen vibes um, for whatever reason. So, oh, was that the one? For, forgive me, all the names on these tracks change a thousand times. Is that the one that's like super compressed and dirty with like the actual like bass riffs and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is so one. Of the, it is one of the more compressed ones. I think. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. Okay. Demo. Yes. So that was actually the first track that I did with the idea of uh, that was the first one of any of those tracks that I made um, and hmm. uh, was my first attempt at trying to make something in the vein of R4 and it was because of uh, the track Naked Glow which uh, is yeah. like all like live bass and uh, yep. drum samples and stuff and that song is a whole hell of a lot of fun and probably my favorite track on that soundtrack maybe it's so good um, it's it's, up it's there. incredible definitely uh, yep and i was trying so hard to find a way to make that song work uh as i was like especially after coming back to it later um because i'd actually recorded all the bass tracks on a different computer at our old apartment things set up differently it was like on a really old imac as opposed to everything else just on a newer macbook blah 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 anyway um there was just a little bit of recording latency that i could not do anything about uh so nothing was lining up the way that it needed to so i went over and re-recorded so many of those parts over and over and over and it wasn't even like good enough to warrant the amount of time that i was spending on it it was just bothering me that it wasn't working so i was like kept trying to like manually compensate for the lag by playing ahead of the beat which is impossible uh, yeah it's it's like trying to play Parappa on an LCD. Uh, oh, so. <laughs> it's like it's like I've sunk so much time into this. It has to produce something, damn it! Right. So I just got to the point where I was like, "This is not like I, I, I don't know." It, it was nowhere near good enough. So I was like, "Okay, I'm just going to make this lo-fi and just blow the shit out of it and mix it really badly in a way that kind of like I don't know has some character to it, I guess." And then just write the word demo at the end of the track and make it a bonus track in Bandcamp. And just, there we go. It's out in the world. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Well, you uh, called it you called it high spec, which I think is so clever because Ridge Racer 4 came with the demo disc yep. for the original Ridge Racer. And it's a yep. demo track. So it's just... That's a nice, nice little joke you did there. That was that was the one like moment I had where I was like, maybe I can pull it off if I use this stupid pun. Uh, yeah. And same with the other one, the the pocket station rock. Uh, it's like the, the only thing loaded oh, on my pocket station is that, that little Ridge Racer 4 thing. And I, I'm going to play that real quick for my own ears so I can remember which one that is. Um, it's the one that clearly yes. started with an idea that never, ever went anywhere. Yeah, that one's, that <laughs> one is, that one's crazy. That one, I love it. It's it's just it was so dumb. I just go. I, I gave up by the end, so I was like, how can I just make these drums sound like they're breaking? Like, you just lit the computer on fire. Uh, so that, that that's where that went. So I was like, all right, that'll be the other thing that I throw the word demo on uh, and then just get this thing out the door or I will spend the rest of my life tweaking it and it will just be not good. <laughs> uh, or worse, I guess. Um, it's a struggle of the perfectionist. It's knowing when to stop. That's the worst part is I'm not even just like, oh, well, it's close, but it could be perfect. I'm just like, hmm, this isn't good. And like, that's fine, but it could be slightly less <laughs> not good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, probably too uh, deprecating about it. I apologize if that's annoying. I uh, No, I mean, I'm, I'm very bad about that. I'm pretty self-deprecating too. So, I mean, 
I think Hooray, I think we'll people each other both. I, I think people who have, I think people who have listened to Time Extend uh, at least know to expect that from me. Uh, Brendan's the one who brings his uh, his swagger, his spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his his. Uh, so I, I don't know, whatever. He he brings it. He whatever it is, he brings it. And that's why that's why it's not on this show, because he's not here. All apologies. You know what? It'll be that much better when he's back next week. It'll be that much better. Exactly. The, exactly. The, the air will taste that much sweeter. You can't miss it until it's gone. Well, um yeah, so I'm just thinking as I'm as I'm going through and I wanted to play uh, one of the tracks on the album to remind me how it went and i saw the cover of it again I so to get to i this. know we could spend an hour on this i know we could spend an hour on this but test drive le mans let's talk about it i'm just kidding brendan that was a joke don't kill me <laughs> we've already <laughs> we've already been here for an hour and i i know you have a life you'd be surprised <laughs> <laughs> so um real quick but you probably do so sure let's <laughs> i mean i know at this point it's 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 a Friday night, it's midnight, and I'm recording a podcast. Do I sound like someone who has a life? <laughs> Look, if anyone's made it this far, they're here for whatever garbage we are swimming in. So let's, mm. let's just own it. Right. So um, on the cover of this record, there is a... Now, it, well, this is a JogCon. See, I realized something. Yes. Uh, so they're the two Namco controllers that they released with different Ridge Racer games. I always pronounce the first one as Negcon. Apparently it's Negicon. Yeah, that's been a hard habit to break because I've always like, flip-flopped on Negcon or Negicon, which felt wrong, but I said it anyway. <laughs> like, I know it's Imgur.com, but I've always said Imgur oh, because yeah. I have brain worms. And it's a GIF, too. It's not a GIF. It's a GIF. Come on. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So many infuriating that... years of everyone saying that wrong on Idle Thumbs just to bother me. Coming for you, Jake Rodkin. Uh, <laughs> what <do> you... <laughs> uh, but yes, first of all, hard G. It's not graphical interchange format. Um, I, the guest, will tell you to unsubscribe if you disagree. Uh, wait, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, please don't do that. Yeah, we, we don't uh, have the luxury <laughs> of asking for that yet. <laughs> check, check back maybe in five years if we're all still alive. <laughs> Uh, there you go. That's the spirit. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the the JogCon. Now, I never had uh, the luxury of playing any of these games on the weird ass controllers that Namco designed for them. But I've only ever heard great things about the experience. Uh, the JogCon definitely is, seems like the more natural approach of having a wheel <laughs> that's controlled by your thumb. Which I did. Yeah, we should probably describe these for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about. Yeah, so the Nejicon is basically, it's like, take a, I mean, it doesn't really look like a PlayStation controller, but just for the sake of explaining it, take a PlayStation it controller. It's more like a Super Nintendo controller in a way. Yeah, Super Nintendo controller with slight, you know, candles to it. And slice it down the middle, and you can basically, like, they, they twist around each other. So it's almost like, um,. What has those controls? Like, Jets don't have those controls. Something something out there has controls where it's like you pivot your one hand or your one, your, one of your wrists in a certain direction and the arrow in the opposite yeah, direction. Like you need to pivot it past where your wrist is, like, naturally able to bend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the relative left and right movements of your hands turning both halves of the controller uh, are, you know, basically translated into, you know, left lateral left and right movement in the car when you're driving so yeah it almost gives you like sort of like a some sort of like spacecraft or 
weird point. You're not driving a car at that point. It's like you're piloting some weird machine that doesn't exist in the real world. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like early 80s like Atari arcade games. They're trying to find kind of more gimmicky controls Hmm. um, right before that all crashed. (laughs) Also, it has, interestingly, uh, it has four face buttons just like the PlayStation controller, but two of them are analog. Yeah, and they stick out like three quarters of an inch from the surface. Yeah, that's that's really but strange. The surface is divoted in underneath them, so they don't actually stick up much further than. Actually, hold on, let me pull this thing out. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they barely stick up past the other two, but they do. Like, there's a lot of clearance between, like, the button and the surface of the controller. You have a long travel to push that thing all the way in. I remember seeing. Um like pictures and things of these controllers like in like kind of inserts inside these games and they, they they always like i didn't think much of them at the time but then at a certain point you know i'd, I'd look as i probably got older i'm just like what the hell is this thing and who owned one because i didn't know <laughs> anybody who had question. one and why does it exist um but yeah so that was an edgy con and then the jog con was totally different much more sensible much more sensible so um and and this is this is how you do it. If, if you're not listening to uh, Andrew's record yet, don't look up a picture of a, of a jog con. Go look at the cover of his record because that will show you the dial. Sharp. That was sharp. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> do it. Um, that will show you the dial that is uh, in the – but seriously, look at a picture of a controller. Um, there's this huge-ass dial in the middle of it, and apparently there, there's a little divot in it for your thumb, and apparently it's force feedback, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. I think it's powerful too. Ooh, I didn't know that until I looked it up like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. I I do not know for sure if they even were either of them were released in the states or not. Uh, I probably I, I feel like that's something that I should know. Um, but as I said earlier, brain worms, convenient excuse uh, <laughs> that I just made up. So um, I imported both of these. Uh, just via eBay from Japanese sellers, and they were both super cheap. Um, That's like good even to know. Today, you can get these things very, very cheaply. Um, like easily, both of them less than twenty bucks a piece. Um, but they're very, very strange. Uh, so we should probably start with the Neji Con. Like this thing is like the D-pad is kind of a disc shape. Like you are not playing Street Fighter with this thing. Um, mm. The triggers have also like a big travel to them as well uh, they're very soft but they're also i don't know if they actually are analog i think one of them is analog and the other one is not if i recall and i don't remember which one is which um which is weird because that means if you set it to break and accelerate that means it's just always i don't know it's either on or off in a weird way uh yeah well i mean i can say that the reason why my preferred way to play any ps2 game is actually on my uh ps3 um which is like one of the really backwards compatible you got units. a launch model yeah I, I love it um but i absolutely hate the ps2 the dualshock 2 because of those analog buttons i have to i literally lose all feeling in my thumb playing racing games just so yeah, i can accelerate I, as much as possible yeah totally and i honestly i still have the same problem with the ps1 uh controllers as well uh most of the time uh however i do love them on the dualshock 2 because i am a big metal gear solid fan so uh that said they're still barely even usable in that game 
uh, MGS2 specifically. Um, yeah, Nejikon is a weird thing. The X or cross, I guess, depending where you are, button and square are one and two, respectively. There's no select button. There's no L2 and R2. I don't know why they felt the need to change that. I have no idea. It's super <laughs> weird. And like you can tell if the game supports it or not, because when you plug it in, it will like change the icon and menus from like X to one or whatever. Um, and yeah, the turning radius on this is really strange because it's like if you're just to turn one half, you're twisting one half of the controller and holding the other one in place uh, to, you know, hit buttons and stuff. Or because there's a cable sticking out of it, and depending on how far away you are from your console, you might not be able to like move it that much comfortably. Uh, if you're just turning one half at a time, like you're like you're moving your whole entire arm and upper body basically to like get around that thing, so you mm -hmm. end up kind of having to play them both, um, twisting against each other, which is fine. Um, I will say. Even after all this time, I still will like go into a corner and mix up left and right because you're twisting up and down. Yeah. Um, and that's probably not an issue if you're not stupid, but it is something that I do all the time. Like I'll be going into like a uh, like there's a hairpin up a hill on uh, Heaven and Hell in Ridge Racer Four. Uh, right after you come out of that tunnel, and I will like get ready to go into a drift and turn right. And just slam hard left into a guardrail <laughs> and drop from first to eighth immediately. Oh no! Uh, that has happened multiple times, even recently. <laughs> um, but aside from that, when it is working, it's such a like it glides so gradually, and there's just a little bit of like spring in it um, that always like bumps it back into place. So you're just kind of it's uh, like you're pushing against it very gently, um, and. It controls like a dream in every game that I've tested it with. Um, and the Nejicon hmm. is really like, there's a much more broad list of games that it's actually compatible with. Uh, like, I think it's all the wipeouts. It's most racing games in the PS1 and a lot on the PS2 uh, are like fully compatible with the Nejicon, Namco or not. I love that so many of these companies, uh, developers were like, "Yeah, we'll we'll Just build totally support. Down. Yeah, we'll build support for your weird ass yeah, Frankenstein creation. These <laughs> we'll do <Yeah>. it. <laughs> totally, uh, and it's great. It uh, the only like other criticism I might even have, if you could call it that, is it almost makes R four too easy. Uh, hmm. That game is not exactly notoriously difficult or anything as it is, but." Uh, like you have such, you have so much better control with this than you do with a D-pad, um, or even with a Jawcon. To be perfectly honest, uh, that it wow, almost, that is not like, what just, I would have expected. I know it's really weird. Uh, so as long as you remember which way is left and right, yeah, and are not throwing yourself into walls, um, it just makes that game an absolute breeze. Uh, it's great. Highly, highly recommend both of these things uh, for different reasons, but. Uh, yeah, Nejikon is a weird thing um, that I kind of just picked up because it's a weird thing. <laughs> it's a weird artifact and like a strange way to play old games. And like, I think that that might be my favorite era of racing games, period. Um, obviously, a lot of like sim stuff from back then doesn't, uh, at least it holds up in a different way. Like it's not as realistic or anything, but they, they have a feel to them. Uh, and so I was like, I'm going to, play a lot of stuff with this i should pick one of these up at some point and uh yeah it's been great it's super weird 
you've definitely piqued my interest because I didn't know, like, I, I assumed in my head I was just like, well, the, the, the few times I've thought about it, I've thought that there's no way I could probably get a decent one in any sort of anything that would be considered, you know, reasonably priced. So I very quickly talked myself out of it. <laughs> um, no, I got mine like barely used uh, in box actually, like in the original box and everything for like 17, 18 bucks. That's like shipping too. It's wow. They're, they're not too bad. Obviously like price for everything is relative, but I'm just like, I'd rather be much more upfront. Just be like, no, here's the actual number that I paid for these things because I feel like it's more helpful than just be like, oh, you know, it's cheap. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, it sounds like this is going to go down a lot better than when I tried to play PGR with a rock band guitar. <laughs> that is an undertaking, and you have my infinite respect for even trying. Uh, I feel like anyone who, who played any of those games just like, I'm going to see what I can use this in. And What else does this do? Yeah, and, uh, I had a buddy who was convinced that he could find a way to play through SOCOM 2 with a DDR mat. It oof. didn't go great. No, no. I tried to play Halo 3 <laughs> with um, with the guitar as well. And what I uh, quickly discovered was that I think you like I could not stop like turning in a circle, just like constantly <laughs> turning. But if I held the whammy bar in a very specific position, I would stop turning. Nice. And that, that was nice. basically it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Andrew, this was an awesome show. And um, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it was really cool having you on. And I want to have you on again to talk about Wipeout, all sorts of our crazy things and... Test Drive? Test Drive, absolutely. The JogCon? Test Drive. Yeah, you bought a copy of Test Drive Lamar. Um, because beca- of this show. Because of this show. I'll, I'll have you know, dear listeners, I've listened to all of these episodes and it is very good. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, pick, you picked up a copy of, of Test Drive Lamar because of this show. Um, a, a game that I tried to get Brendan to buy for like maybe three months before he actually did. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it sounds like pal copies were a lot more expensive and harder to get based on no, what he was saying because that's totally true. Yeah, it sounded really expensive over there, which sucks. And he actually got uh, he got an awesome like uh, copy that they sent out for review to uh, yeah, critics, I know. which is that's so rad. I want to know how he found that it's bananas. Yeah, I, I guess he explained how we found it, but I just like I want, I want to experience something like that. I love that shit like <laughs> that, that just rule. winds up on eBay. You know, it's it's really cool. Yeah, it makes me like want to spend even more money I shouldn't be spending, which like isn't good. But <laughs> that's well. Let me tell you, dear listener, if you are in the United <laughs> States and have a functional Dreamcast, you can get Test Drive Le Mans shipped to your mailbox for a grand total of like four bucks, and that game is good as hell. Well, the, I, I think the other thing, too, is that, and this is what I was trying to explain to Brendan, I was like, you, you don't have to get necessarily the, um, the, Jesus Christ, the PAL copy, because you can, like, most Dreamcasts can play discs from any region. It's a, it's a Dreamcast. As, you can just burn a CD. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you have a Utopia boot disc or something like that, which, I mean, that's a whole other yeah, I need to get some road like we're going down. Games, but as but long like, as you have that, uh, and your Dreamcast was made before like the three months before it went out of production, uh, you can probably play any game. But yes, if there is a zero or a one inside a square with rounded corners on the bottom of your Dreamcast, you can 
burn whatever and stick it in there. Uh, you didn't hear that from me. Yeah. One of my, uh, to, to quickly plug myself in a very selfish way before uh, I ask. It's your show, dude. Before dude. I ask you to plug yourself. Um, one of my favorite, uh, one of the things, I'm, stories I'm most proudest of is one of the first ones I wrote for GT Planet, which is just basically exploring uh, Bleemcast and particularly how Bleem yeah, related. Yeah, the Gran Turismo port. Yeah, particularly how Bleem related to GT2. And um, just the entire saga of Bleem was a was a Dreamcast emulator that let you play PS1 games on your Dreamcast, and the entire saga of how Sony tried and PC before that even and PC yeah, yeah that's true um, and the entire saga of how so- Sony tried to both shut it down and also like how it worked and the the hole that Sega for some reason felt the need to build into their freaking console is just an incredible <laughs> incredible story. That's also it is. It's so good. very maddening because it's part of the reason that Sega died <laughs> in, in some small way. Sony's solution when they couldn't like figure it out in court or couldn't win them over in court is just buy them and shut them down. It's just like, it's this weird... It's every... Wait, was that them or was that the previous... That was the Mac emulator that Steve Jobs is showing off. I apologize. Yeah. That was not Bleem. That was uh, Game Station... Am I having a stroke? I just listened to an episode uh, of Retronauts where they talked about it. I cannot remember for a life. Oh, they totally did, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Retronauts is a time extend endorsed podcast. Uh, yes, I, I will also happily plug Jeremy Parrish and all of his endeavors and exports. Yeah. That man is a gift and a treasure. <laughs> Whew, this has been awesome. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you? Where can people find the next thing you do? Go, oh, go crazy. Uh, wait. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm Andrew Elmore on Twitter, E L M O R E. I don't know. I don't really have anything particularly interesting to be plugging at the moment. Um, so just if if you want to see bad tweets or someone talk about a lot of old games, uh, that's that's about all that's there. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had something more like I don't know that. I should probably talk about that album. It's on yeah. places <laughs> where albums are. Yeah uh Bandcamp, if you feel like helping a brother out uh it's also on spotify and i guess apple music is still around evidently from what i'm told uh and i would just got a confirmation email the other day that it was put on something called deezer which i refuse to oh, believe is God. a real thing uh a service that exists wow no there's nothing called deezer that's not a <laughs> thing that a thing can be called I've heard uh, of it. I just didn't know. You like, can't just call a thing Deezer. You can't do that. <laughs> I, I just didn't know it was like real. I thought it was just like legend. Uh, it probably is. I, I'm sure it's on Napster at this point. Windmix, Kazaa, LimeWire, FrostWire, if you're feeling fancy. Sure. Uh, I doubt enough people have found it that it's on a Pirate Bay variant anywhere, but I don't know. Maybe. Uh <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. Go to um. I'm bad at this. <laughs> we, we steal my record. Every, Wait, everyone is join the club. Steal that's a that's a great system of a down album. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely go check out uh go check out Bandcamp because I don't know if if they're still available, but you have these awesome physical oh uh, that's limited right. Editions I forget about that. Yeah, of uh, 2019, and they are sick. Yeah, so my buddy Levi uh, runs a project called Plume Labs where he uh, finds various uh, artists that are doing cool stuff and he releases their albums on these little handmade like USB uh, releases, but they come with some like 
some some feelies as they used to say in the old pc game days but it's like there's a lot of weird like physical like things that are packed in with them uh they're coming these cases that are like little uh like famicom disc system kind of uh enclosures uh they're beautiful uh that dude is a really really good designer and just generally smart and good person um Anyway, also when you stick the USB drive in your computer, there's all kinds of other fun stuff on there. So I had to throw together like a folder tree of fun, like little digital goodies uh, and art files and other music and stuff that is on there. Uh, it takes him a while to get those things manufactured because they are extremely unique and made in small quantities. Uh, so it might be a while before it's like ready, ready, but they are available for purchase at the moment. And there's also a lot of other really, really cool artists on there that have done some awesome stuff. Uh, he was the first person that I interviewed back when I was doing an interview podcast. <laughs> yes, so that is it. Plume Labs, P-L-L-O-M. I can't talk. P-L-O-O-M. It's a uh, smorgasbord of fun. That's that's my quote. You've heard it. <laughs> yep, that's, that is the trade. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Ship it. All right, and uh, I'm Adam Ismail. Uh, this is Time Extend. Thank you so much for listening. Brendan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what? I'm so sorry, Brendan. No, Brendan. what? <laughs> you know what? I, I think that's good. I think.